Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment's brought to you by Lumit.com. Check it out if you need some financing on multifamily, senior, student, uh, that type of properties. You really want to check these guys out. It's Lumit.com. Well, we have a great show for you today. We have an old star that we haven't had on the show for a while. Give a, give a big applause because we haven't heard him, have talked to him in a long time. Ryan Severino, and he is Chief Economist with BGO. Ryan, it's so good to see you again. How are you, Michael? How are things? It's always nice to see you. Yeah, it's uh, it's going great. It is a, a weird market that we're in. <laughs> you know, it's like everybody's wondering, where are we? What's going on? And that's what I want to hear from you. You've always been just fantastic at uh, giving us some perspective of where we are, uh, what's going on in the economy, how it might impact commercial real estate. And, you know, we have the, the Fed meeting, what, today and tomorrow. Uh, think about uh, what they're going to do with rates. We're kind of all... On pins and needles, what do you expect? Uh, my general expectation is that they won't do anything. I haven't seen anything in the data since the last meeting, and I don't think that they've seen anything in the data since the last meeting that suggests that they need to move. I, I think they would ideally like to stop raising. I just don't think that they're confident enough yet that that inflation is really has really turned the corner and is headed back down to target. We've made a lot of progress over the last, uh, let's call it the last uh, 14 to 15 months in bringing inflation down. Uh, they, we're still a ways from target. And because of that, I think they're close to the end of tightening, but I'm not sure they're done yet. And I think more importantly, I'm not sure that they're sure that they're done yet. So I, I think they would ideally like to take a breather this, this meeting see how the data unfolds over the next couple months or so, and then reevaluate when, when they reconvene again. Yeah, I mean, it seems like one of the missions of the Fed is for to protect the soundness of, of banks. And it seems like going up on rates this fast, um, which is pretty, pretty incredible historically, right, uh, was not really good for the banks, was it? No, and I, I think that's that's one of the things that we have if we didn't know that was coming, we, we clearly are aware of it now. You know, to, to borrow an expression from uh, the technology field, they moved fast and they broke some things, or at least they started to put some cracks in some things. I'm not sure that they have uh, completely broken anything, but you're right. If they're going to be aggressive about raising, which they have been uh, since March of last year, they're almost always going to be uh, unintended consequences of those kinds of actions. And I think the fallout that we've seen in the banking industry since, say, March of this year is really exhibit A for that. I think to its credit, the banking industry has stabilized and held up, but I'm not sure that there aren't other shoes to drop just yet. I, I still think that there's some um, some fragility in some parts of the banking industry. I think there are potential mergers and acquisitions that that could come down the road over the balance of the next six to 12 months. But again, to its credit, at least we didn't get uh, an implosion of the banking industry the way that I, I think some people were concerned about earlier this year. 
Yeah, well, that's good to hear. And 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 we're brokers in the southeast, and we're already starting to sell some foreclosed properties. Um, we're selling notes. We're doing short sales. So it started, uh, but it seems like there could be more coming down the pike. I think so. I think we are in the relatively. I'll use a baseball analogy. I know that's not the most popular sport in the country anymore, but uh, we're in the fairly early earnings uh, innings of this. Uh, this development, I think if you look historically at previous cycles, it generally takes uh, some time after we go through a tightening cycle to see that kind of distress manifest a little more um, on a more widespread basis, certainly uh, more acutely. I would say over the next 6, 12, 18 months, I generally expect there to be more distress across markets, across property types, which is which certainly going to present opportunities, you know, both for, for firms like yours and uh, shameless self-promotion for a minute, but even you know, firms like ours, which I think are going to be out um, looking to capitalize on, on that environment over the next 12 to 18 months. And of course, one of the property types that's been hit the hardest has, has been the office sector. You know, what's your view there on the office sector and, and when do things potentially change there or do they, do they improve? <laughs> This sector has always been interesting to me. I just think about how it's evolved, even over the course of my career, which is uh, longer than I admit in uh, polite company these days. But once upon a time, <laughs> the office sector was thought of as the bellwether for commercial real estate. It was really, uh, really told you a lot about where the overall industry was going. And where we find ourselves now is that a dynamic that was playing out before the pandemic has really been exacerbated. And by that, I mean, and I think as most people listening know, there's been this very significant flight to quality, which I think in reality means flight to newness, because a lot of the properties that, that are performing well are ones that have either been constructed relatively recently or at least have been capexed relatively recently. Leading up to the pandemic, a, a lot of times I would meet with clients and, and we would have very frank conversations about, about what to do about some of this, this kind of, um, I'll politely just say, uh, inferior uh, or, or struggling to compete office property. And I think the pandemic has just answered that question for a lot of people. So I think that there is very much a world of have and have nots in, in the office sector. And I think that has only been exacerbated by what we've seen over the last few years. I don't think that this is the death knell for the office sector. I, I think that narrative has been greatly exaggerated the same way you know, when, when you and I were, were talking, I'm sure 10, 12 years ago, we probably had the same conversation about retail. And I thought that narrative then was, was exaggerated. And I still believe that now. But it does mean for, for existing owners and potential investors, we are all going to have to sharpen our pencils and really do our homework to make sure that uh, we don't make mistakes. Because I think in a more challenging environment, the, the margin for error is smaller than it was when I, when I first started in this business. And office really was the bellwether sector of commercial real estate. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you brought up that, uh, you know, retail has been, I guess, a couple of times people said retail's dead. It'll, it'll never recover. Right. And then I think we had the same thing with the housing market. Right. And the Great Recession. No one's going to want a home. It's, it's, it's terrible. Look what happened there. And, uh, you know, then we look at office. Some of these office properties are getting torn down. Some of them are getting converted. Obviously, uh, new supply is going to start start uh, dwindling, right? So when would you expect that the office demand could come back in any significant way? How long might it take? Yeah, I, I think 
once we get on the other side of whatever this period of economic uncertainty looks like, we, you know, we could we can debate whether or not the R word is coming, but I, I don't think that's what really matters. What I think matters is is the fact that it is casting this pall of uncertainty over over the real estate market, especially the office market. I think once we're on the other side of that, I think organizations will be able to make better decisions about their space use needs. And again, I think the death of office has been greatly exaggerated. But I think when we see these kinds of exogenous shocks in the economy, which certainly everything that we've gone through over the last few years, uh, I think undoubtedly qualifies as that, it takes a little time for those shocks to stop reverberating. I'm going to estimate a little bit based on my own empirical observations, but probably four, five, six years. So if we if we peg the beginning of the pandemic as say March of 2020, then we're maybe three and a half years removed from that. So I think we probably need another 12, 18 months or so, especially once we're on the other side of this fog of economic uncertainty. And then I think we will start to see organizations making more definitive decisions. But again, I'm not willing to write off the office sector the same way I was not willing to write off other property types. I still think it serves an important function. I think we probably need to right size the inventory a little bit, uh, but make no mistake about it. I think demand is out there. We're certainly seeing it uh, with what we do day to day. I know uh, to your point, uh, I, I think you know the people who, who work in the more uh, transaction-oriented part of the business are, are starting to see it. I think we just need a little less uncertainty, and that will help organizations feel more confident about making those kind of space use decisions. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So maybe eighteen to twenty-four months, demand starts coming back, and you know, um, one of the things that we're seeing as well right now, all of us, is that a lot of these companies are trying to get people back. Some of them trying to to force people back, and I think. We've all gotten the habits of sitting at home, not commuting, <laughs> maybe having a different kind of uh, of lifestyle. So a lot of us are kind of fighting getting back in the office. But it seems like more and more companies are realizing it hurts the culture and it hurts the careers of, of some of their folks and maybe some top line and bottom line numbers. So uh, do you expect to see more of these companies kind of at least trying to get folks back more in the office? I do. I think what they're trying to figure out is is the right formula for their individual organizations. And, and you're right, we spent a good amount of time getting used to working a certain way, and maybe we got a little too <laughs> used to that. Uh, but to your point, it does have an impact on things like culture and collaboration. From workers' point of view, it seems like they just want flexibility. I think we've all learned that the world is a messy, if we didn't know that before, we certainly have learned that over the last few years, the world is, is a pretty messy place. I think they would like to have greater flexibility than they had before. I don't think everybody necessarily wants to be sitting at home by, their, by themselves in their kitchen ad infinitum necessarily. And I don't think everybody necessarily wants to be back in an office five days per week. But there's a lot of middle ground between those two extremes. And again, this is this shock is still reverberating. I think it's just taking some time for individual organizations and workers to figure out that happy medium that that works for them. Maybe some workers need little a little more of a nudge than some others do. But to me, this is still rippling through the economy. And I think we're we're not close to having a definitive answer. And 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 moreover, I don't think there is a one size solution. Uh, fits all solution to this problem. I think there is going to be a, a 
to borrow an expression, a, a plethora of solutions uh, like there are pinatas to this to this problem over over the next six, 12, 18 months. Yeah. And I guess Biden recently is is wanting the federal employees, to, government employees to, to get back in the office to increase um, productivity there. So it's kind of interesting. But you know what, Ryan, I'm going to go ahead and announce the answer to all this for everyone <laughs> right now. I have the solution right now. Here we go. It's called a compromise, right? Let's just go to a four-day work week. Let's just go four days in the office, take Friday. Let's just make it a three-day weekend. Compromise, we're done. Everybody's happy, maybe. <laughs> Some places in the world, I don't know if you've read, but are they are really starting to experiment with that dynamic. Well, at least some organizations in some parts of the world. And I'm genuinely curious to see once we have more data on this, what the solution to that is. Because I think there are a lot of people who are, I'm not trying to uh, throw labor under the bus necessarily, but let's just say I know a lot of people who maybe don't put the ax to the grindstone all day on Friday anyway. So I'm just, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, so. I know, I know. You're, you're being nice. Uh, I've seen the same thing with uh, a lot of our brokers' friends that do work at home, and you know, and they and they'll admit that you know they're really not uh, getting really that much done. So I think you know, and it's you know, it's it's normal, right? Your refrigerator's there, your family's there, your pets are there, your chores are there, you know, all of that. It's pretty distracting, but uh, I think we should go to a, a four-day week. What do you expect? for the market moving forward, Ryan, for commercial real estate and kind of the, the impact of, of the economy and the rates uh, long term? Here's some good news maybe for everyone out there who is uh, feeling some consternation about everything that we've been going through for the last 18 months or so. There's, there's really good empirical evidence that shows once we get through the period of Fed tightening, which whether they're done or not, I, I think what matters is that we are we are much closer to the end of that cycle than we are the beginning of that cycle. The empirical evidence conclusively shows once the Fed is done raising rates, that the commercial real estate market turns around, that returns 24 months, at least 24 months, subsequent to when the Fed stops raising rates, look attractive. Positive returns, total returns across asset classes, you know, obviously some variation in there by, you know, market by market as, as, you know, goes without saying. But I do think we are probably closer to better performance out of the commercial real estate market than a lot of market participants probably probably feel right now, probably perceive right now. From my point of view, I think we get through the next, you know, six months or so, whatever happens with the Fed, six months or so, what hap whatever happens with the economy, we are, if the Fed's not done, we are certainly much closer to the end of that. I feel... Fingers crossed, uh, maybe not holding my breath, but fingers crossed, cautiously optimistic about the outlook uh, over the next 12 to 24 months. I think the empirical evidence going back, uh, you know, 40 something years, multiple business cycles, different economic environments conclusively shows, irrespective of the environment, that once we get through the period of Fed tightening, that returns in the space look much, much better. And I see no reason why that dynamic has been broken uh, because of what's happened over the last few years. It seems to me, Ryan, that interest rates are kind of really, tell me if I'm wrong, but more back to historical normal rates, right? So 
Um, is that true? And and then what do you expect for rates down the road? It seems like some people are thinking, no, you know, if you're counting on lower rates than we have today, anytime in the near future, forget about it. But then I have some folks, well, you know, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to refinance it in two years at a much lower rate. <laughs> what do you see? So I, I think, you know, sort of both of those things can be true. Yes, I completely agree with you. We are going through a normalization. What we went through during the last business cycle was not normal. Those kinds of interest rates, right? How many times did we have historically low rates? First, we had them with uh, our once every... Um, once every 80 or so year balance sheet recession in the US, and then we had them at an even lower level with our once every, what I hope is our once every 100 or so year pandemic-oriented recession in the US. We are working our way back to something more normal. What happened over the last business cycle or so, which maybe people got a little too used to, was far from normal. Rates are in the process of normalizing. But I do think that uh, we get to, say, the middle of next year, a little bit past that, that I don't think the Fed is going to leave rates at this elevated level, that I think where we are is, in the medium term, detrimental to the economy, that it does become a constraint on economic activity, uh, and it, it could become a self-fulfilling prophecy of actually causing a downturn. And that's why I think even if we are going through this process of normalization, I think there is good evidence to say that rates will will start to migrate downward over the next 12, 24, 36 months. I don't, I'm in the higher for longer camp, at least relative to what people were thinking six to 12 months ago, but I don't think it's tenable over the medium term to leave short-term rates, long-term rates where they are right now. If for no other reason, it would almost certainly slow the economy to the point where the Fed would feel compelled to, to start cutting rates and that would start to bring things down. So I, I do think we are going through this normalization, but I feel pretty confident that we will see rates back off from, from where they are now over the next 12, 24, 36 months as we go through this uh, slowing in the economy and the Fed readjusts its expectation. Well, that'd be great. You know, and a lot of uh, property owners have done really well the last several years with, you know, rental rate increases and value increases, at least in their in their inner gross and, and net income, you know, especially uh, what's uh, multifamily. Yeah, they've had a great rise in, in their income, right? And also with industrial. Um, and then you know, some people are kind of interested in, in office as uh, a distressed opportunity. You know, where do you think there are opportunities now, uh, Ryan? And it seems like some of these sellers are are realizing that cap rates are different. They've had a good run up in value and, and they're selling. We're starting to see more activity start getting rolling here. Where do you see opportunities, whether it's sector wise or, or opportunistic or or you know, what do you see? I I think there are opportunities out there. I think to your point, we're starting to see the tide turn a little bit. I don't think uh I don't think we're quite there yet, but increasingly we're starting to see more of a meetings of the minds on price. I think there's always that lag between when rates go up, when pricing adjusts, and when uh, I think some owners eventually come around to the reality that they're that they need to make an adjustment themselves. I'm still optimistic about uh, certainly about the the favorite asset classes, industrial and apartment. I think industrial we've seen that sector go through a really a transformation and how it's utilized in the economy these are again i'm you know I, i'm trying not to date myself but over the you know the eon or so that i've been in this business 
that <laughs> property sector went from being a box that stored stuff to a very vital and technologically oriented part of this very modern and advanced logistics distribution network. So I still think there is, is that story to play out. I don't think that transformation has fully occurred. I think the pandemic has likely accelerated that a little bit, but there seems more runway ahead of us as far as that transformation goes. Therefore, I remain pretty optimistic about industrial. The other property type where I'm, I'm still optimistic is apartment. Apartment to me is reflective of this shortage of housing. And I know that I, I've seen some commentary recently about how maybe there isn't a shortage of housing in the US and I just think, oh, those people, maybe they don't totally understand how real estate economics works or maybe they're just not looking at the right data. But by my estimation, we are probably about 4 million housing units short in the United States relative to demographic-based demand. And that's why you keep seeing prices go up even with mortgage rates really high. It's why rents took a little bit of a hit last year in the apartment sector, but are, are starting to move up again. To me, this is not rocket science. I'm not doing you know cold fusion in, in the kitchen sink or anything like that. This is really just, we have strong demographics-based demand. We, we are not building enough housing for uh, a slew of reasons. And that to me is, is a pretty durable and tractable problem that I don't see correcting itself anytime soon. And that's not to say that I'm dour about, about retail or office. I, I still think there, as we were talking earlier, opportunities in both. Um, but I do think, uh, you know, the, the favored property types have strong dynamics, you know, putting wind in their sails. The other part, we touched on this a little bit. I do think that there are going to be more distress opportunities over the next 12, 18, 24 months, that there is almost always a lag between when you see disruption in the commercial real estate sector because of interest rate increases and the time it takes to manifest itself in, in terms of uh, distressed sales and, and transaction activity. And I, I, again, I don't think anything fundamental has changed about the way the commercial real estate economy be, has been behaving. Uh, I would expect to see a relatively similar timeline play out this cycle as well. Yeah, those are some really good points. And I think another opportunity that I see out there is for office users, right, to uh, whether you're leasing or purchasing, um, we're seeing a, seeing a lot of that where some of these companies do like to own their properties and they couldn't find the right properties. There was, you know, because people weren't selling them. Well, now you can get some good deals. We're seeing medical uh, businesses and other businesses that are out there acquiring buildings for their use. And in one case, they're getting the property for you know, a fraction of what it cost, cost to build it, you know, and when the economy turns around, they're going to have a great, great windfall there. Yeah. I, I I think it's almost like anything else. Uh, you know, I, I, I keep joking around with my students that I'm going to create this this uh, rule and stick it on Wikipedia called Severino's Law, which basically says, as the real price of something approaches zero, liquidity approaches infinity. I, I think that there's, you know, all kidding aside, there's some truth to that. At some point, there is a market clearing price for almost every asset. And I think even for uh, parts of the market that might be struggling a little bit right now, uh, I'm almost certain in terms of both uh, the cost to, to lease space, to utilize space, and the cost to actually purchase, sell, transact space. I'm sure there's a market clearing price. The question is whether or not market participants want uh, want to recognize that or not. Um, but I'm almost 100% sure that there are good opportunities out there right now in, in that property sector for both users of space and for potential investors if we have enough price discovery, which I think continues to be the sticking point right now. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting. We're seeing some great, great properties and unbelievable locations that are selling at nine caps that are in the uh, office world that are very stable, very used properties like government, medical, med maybe medical, a little lower cap rate. But we're, we're seeing some great deals out there. It's kind of an interesting time. Ryan, it's so awesome to see you again. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your uh, wisdom with the audience. No, Michael, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm always happy to do it. And uh, next time, uh, we'll make sure that we do it. And well, maybe we do it before then, but ideally we will uh, do it in studio next time. It's, it's been a long time coming. That's perfect. Are you going to be at the uh, Global C5 CCIM Plus Summit in uh, I Atlanta? I don't in know yet, but I will keep you posted good. on that. I, my, my travel schedule is a little, my dance card is a little full right now. So I'm uh, moving pieces around the chessboard, but we'll see how that goes. That sounds good. Ryan, good to see you. Thanks for being on. Always nice to see you. If you need anything else, feel free to reach out. Always nice to talk to you, man. Thank you. And thank you for joining us around the country. We appreciate uh, you sharing the show and connecting with us on your favorite social media. And please reach out to us if you have any questions, if you have any ideas, or if you need any, any referrals, you need anybody for anything anywhere in the country, I'll give you my direct email so you can reach out to me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. Well, until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For commercial brokerage sales and leasing in the Southeast U.S., contact our show host by email at michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success Strategies, 21 incredible one-hour agent training videos. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. By C5 CCIM Summit, three days of commercial real estate networking, learning, and investing. Learn more and register at c5summit.realestate. And by Lumet, for senior housing, healthcare, and multifamily financing, visit lumet.com. For more podcasts and videos, subscribe and visit CREshow.com.